This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooden! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. It's the end of the election as we know it, and Cody shaved his beard. It's the this. That's how we're starting the episode today. Some hard truths, hard yeah. truths up top. Yeah, people yeah. who watch your show will understand why you've shaved your beard. <laughs> they will. They, but, get I'm it. here they'll, too. Hopefully, hopefully, they forgive me. Katie, are you Hi. as unsettled by clean shaven Cody as I am? I think that I'm more familiar with clean shaven Cody. Um, okay. It is always jarring, but I adjust. Yeah, I mean, I've dispatched some of my death squads from El Salvador to deal with already what I consider to be a problem. Yeah, I mean, I've had him on a hair trigger for a while now. So, okay, Cody, you've been warned. Are they going to be able to recognize him without his ha- his hair on his face? <laughs> I mean, to be entirely honest, once they, I mean, they just kind of start firing. They're not a very precise death squad, but you know it, what they say about death squads: if you don't use them, you lose them. Yeah. Death squads death don't need to be precise. They don't need to be precise. They just well, need to shoot. If they're yeah. about death, it doesn't really matter yeah. who's doesn't, yeah. doesn't matter. doesn't matter who. doesn't mm-hmm. matter why. doesn't matter where. They're Speaking all of death squads. Speaking of <laughs> yeah. death squads. Let's talk about the election. <laughs> Excellent. You know I what? Love, That's a solid elections. transition. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so um, how's everybody well. feeling about the potential of a civil war? <laughs> Unnerved. <laughs> I'm anxious. Yeah. I'm anxious. I'll be uh, honest. I'm anxious about times. a lot of things, and that's one of the things Those that is a words. part of the anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Unnerved is pretty accurate. I'm also uh, optimistic, uh, weirdly, because about I have the election. To be. I just have to be. I am also yeah. optimistic about the election. I'm not optimistic about the potential fallout of the election, whatever that may be. Well, right. Yeah. The uh, the results, no matter what they are, uh, will not be taken well by some people. 
Yeah. Uh, not sure who necessarily, but various No matter people. what happens, a lot of heavily armed people are going to be really angry. And yeah. And that's Some fine. of those heavily armed people don't even care about the election. They just care about the opportunity to be angry yeah. and armed. Yep, yep. That's the real yeah. X factor to me here. <laughs> yeah. So, like, obviously, the elephant in the room is that, like, I've been shouting about this for, I don't know, like, years? four-ish years now. Um, and I guess I should start by pointing out two things, uh, one of which is that the last, like, week, there have been a fucking avalanche of we're heading towards a civil war articles in yeah, the mainstream sure media. Yeah, there sure are. Overwhelming. Um, yeah. And I'm, oddly enough cautiously optimistic more so than i was this summer when if you can recall i was falling apart uh and certain that uh we yeah. were all going to be murdered in our beds so that's i don't know I, I, it's entirely possible that like i just my brain has just been shattered by exposure to anxiety and so i've i've tended towards unreasonable optimism um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the, the that's reasons- funny because one of the <laughs> articles that came out this week quotes you a lot and yeah, paints yeah. you as not optimistic <laughs> it's it's because yeah that he he interviewed me during kind of the worst of it and i do i actually do still stand by what i'm saying because sure. what he quotes me as saying is very accurate which is that there are a lot of the preconditions you would need for a civil war present and, right. and one of the things that is kind of unsettling about that article is that the other main source for the article is a guy named David Kilcolan. He used to be the um, head strategist for the U.S. State Department. He was one of the architects of the surge in Iraq. Um, he wrote a book called The Accidental Guerrilla, and he's written a, a great book on counterinsurgency. He's considered like the world's chief like state expert in counterinsurgency. He's very, very good, and he consults for like national militaries and stuff. And back when I was first playing with these ideas in an orderly fashion, when I wrote that, that, an article on uh, what a civil war would look like in the U.S. in the modern day in uh, 2016, um, I reached out to him, and, and like he was, you know, the one of the main, if not the main, expert that I cited. Um, and now we're being cited alongside each other in, in articles yeah. by yeah. the mainstream press, That's which is a little be kind unsettling. Of <laughs> it's unsettling, more unsettling, flattering, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, you know, David is has only gotten more concerned over the last four years, which has mostly been the case for me as well. And there's a number of, of good reasons why, uh, including the fact that you have, I mean, Philadelphia just went off last night, right? And yeah. one of the things yeah. that happened, the, the police shot uh, a 27-year-old black man to death. He was 10 feet away. He was brandishing a knife, but he was not, like, charging them or anything. He was clearly having a mental health episode. His mom was there trying to de-escalate him. They shot Jesus. him 10 times. Um, and then the entire city of Philadelphia did, like, lit up, like, went went fucking off. Um, and, it, and it's like, it's not like Philly has been prior this year. It's like Philly was when the Eagles won, like that level yeah. of unrest. Um, Didn't and 30 officers get just injured in some capacity? A lot like of that. them did. Yeah. A, tr- yeah. a truck drove through a police riot line yeah. and badly injured an officer. Like, um, and oddly enough, I'm not seeing, it doesn't seem to be like the biggest story that's what I, right That's now. what's wild to me is that's, I think that there's going to be at least a significant number of listeners that are like, oh, wait, what? Mm. Yep. Yeah. It's not yeah. trending on Twitter. I'm it not seeing it as the major night, headline. But then it's it stopped. I, I it was yeah when I ch- I uh, finally checked in last night and I saw a little bit about it, but it was just yeah. not not there. 
I mean, and I think that has to do with like um, probably we've reached a, a state of saturation with what what the people call riot porn. You know, um, mm-hmm. that it it doesn't it doesn't um, it doesn't fucking catch on to the extent that it used it to. You know, and, and I think people were amidst, focused on all the other stuff. Right, that's there's the election, election. And Supreme Amy Court, Amy Coney stuff, Barrett confirmation yeah. yesterday. Yeah, the rules it, from you know, anyway. Yeah, the Amy Coney Barrett exactly, Katie. And one of the yes. things that I also suspect is happening is I think that, you know, in 2016, because the media is generally gross and terrible, um, a lot of people, a lot of reporters and stuff like bad ones, but ones who make a lot of money for big, you know, TV networks were excited about Trump because he meant great traffic. And now they're all scared, which I think is why the far right isn't pushing as much stuff into the mainstream. Some of it's that people have legitimately learned and aren't being taken in. But I think some of it's just they knew what they were doing last time and they're fucking scared now. So they're not giving that shit oxygen. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are some less than ethical people in media who aren't giving this oxygen because they're afraid it'll fuck up Philadelphia or afraid it'll fuck up Pennsylvania for Biden. And they're scared now. I don't know. That's a conspiracy mm. theory from Robert. But it's completely <laughs> um, believable. Yeah. Yeah. It's a there. There's there's a lot going on. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a lot's going on. And yeah, I guess we should get into. So we wanted to talk today about what we think the actual odds of political violence on a mass scale are yeah. right now. So yeah, I mean, Katie, do you want to kick us off with what you were looking into? You sent me this one article that I found. Very interesting. Um, and it's about gun sales, how gun yeah. sales have uh, surged this year. And it's interesting because uh, gun sales typically do surge in election years, but not like this. And it's been steadily increasing and usually like they go up and then they recalibrate. Yeah. But it's been increasing and especially since over the summer. And what's interesting about it is that it's not uh, with conservatives necessarily. It's with people from across the political spectrum. And um, it, it uses this one specific uh, case study of um, a gun shop in Texas and a guy giving a class to people. Yeah. Um, and and I, I don't know. I did find it very interesting. What was about – so this article, as opposed to some of the other stuff that I've read circulating right now, is about liberal people – Step and not completely about liberal people, but about the reasons why people other than conservatives are afraid, and they're citing the president largely. You know, the president inciting violence and general unrest. Uh, and I think that that's very relatable to a lot of people. I know even in my life and in my circle, I've had people buying guns for the first time. People that are staunchly anti-gun, you know, and and wanting to protect themselves, mm-hmm. protect their families. But it's all coming from, yes, like what they're seeing on TV and a reaction to what's happening all around them. And and one thing that I did find interesting in this article uh, was that a lot of people are wary of the police as well. Like they're saying they can't rely on police to protect them. So they feel that they need to take this into their own hands. And so it's like a d- general distrust of each other and a distrust of uh, the state and that anybody will be able to take control of the situation. Yeah. Which is incredibly depressing and also understandable right now, especially in, you know, this was in Texas, I would say in certain parts of the country versus others. And I don't know. I So I'm reading that in contrast with some of these other articles 
like you mentioned, that are floating around this week. And you see that on the other side of the spectrum, you know, there's, you know, Facebook groups, there's there's organizations promoting how there will be violence after the election and are you prepared? And that is painting it as Antifa, you know, so it's increasingly mm. polarized, but everybody is getting guns. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things you absolutely need for a civil war. And one of the things that's interesting, you bring up gun sales. One of the things I find fascinating about the way guns work in the United States in these terms is how there are ways in which it's kind of like how, um, you know, how tobacco, right? Depending on how you smoke a cigarette, it can be like an upper or a downer. You can smoke it to get energy or you can smoke it like right before bed to, to calm, calm you down. down. Like firearms kind of have that same role in certain ways. There are ways in which they escalate and make the situation here much more dangerous. And there are ways in which they make it less dangerous. Um, I would say obvious the, the ways in which they make it more dangerous are obvious, right? You have more people with guns, the higher percentage, higher chance of people starting to shoot at each other, um, which is like what a civil war is, is two groups of people or more with political differences murdering each other with fucking weapons. You also, though, have... You know, it's kind of like this the idea of mutually assured destruction that we had kind of during the Cold War, which is certainly not a strategy I'd recommend for anything. But also, one can't deny we didn't have a nuclear war. Um, and it's one thing when one side has an all of the guns, right? When you have one political side in the country has every fucking weapon in the country, then you have sort of a recipe for kind of a Rwanda-like situation. When you have firearms evenly distributed, and they're not yet evenly distributed, but they're much more evenly distributed than they were earlier, you know, last year or whatever, you do have a situation in which there's a check on the side of the other armed group, right? Like, and that's not just like mutually assured destruction was not an ideal situation. It's not an ideal situation and it can go bad, but it can also stop violence from happening. So one of the things that I'm thinking about is the degree to which I was expecting mass shootings at protests by now in a way that there have been shootings, but there has not been the same kind of stuff that I was worried. Like we right. had the Kyle Rittenhouse shooting and then we didn't really have organized follow-ups. And I think one reason that that may have happened is that there were two cases of armed Trump supporters getting shot by people at protests. Um, and so you do have this situation where the violence is not one-sided and the people who might be interested in bringing guns and killing their political enemies know that there's a decent chance they will die if they do that. And they're not willing to. And that's not... Again, nothing about any the situation we're in is in any way positive, but that's not the worst case scenario. Yeah. yeah, there's an element I think of the 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 cosplay element of mm -hmm. this sort of the larping and yeah. like sort of realizing like oh oh it could be real. Yeah, and yeah, I could uh, fucking kind of, die. <laughs> yeah, and like back, just backing away from like what they sort of imagined was going to happen. Yeah, the people I don't like can shoot back, and I. Again, this could also, because there's guns on both sides, lead to a massive horrible gun battle. Right, but it, right, it's not right. it's not a zero sum game, right? Mm -hmm. Um and one of the other things when we when we talk about like the potential that things don't pop off this year, one thing that could be a long term de escalatory measure 
is if the fact that more liberals and people on the left own guns leads to a more nuanced gun debate in America that isn't yeah. just the Democrats want to take all your guns. And like, if that's not a cudgel the right has to hit their base with, that could in the long term, and we have to survive to the long term, in the long term, lead to a sort of de-escalation. It's not yeah. impossible. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense to me. And it's just, I mean, this whole article, it it, it stresses personal safety. Uh, that's like, kind of the motivating factor for a lot of people versus mm -hmm. wanting to escalate things, you know, at right. least for people on the left. I mean, there's certainly amount of people buying guns because they're hoping for the horrifying outcomes of, of all of this. But I think that that's interesting and probably true. I mean, to some degree, there is an element of, uh, yeah, you, you feel a threat to yourself if you also know that the other side is also armed and are willing to use it. Not that I'm encouraging people to do that. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's it's all. I mean, one of the difficulties with talking about any of this is that, like, again, the the phrase that keeps coming to mind is everything is teetering on the edge of everything. Like, all of this could break in so many ways, and nobody knows what's going to happen. And one of the things, you know, one of the things I do find interesting about both the Vice article that cited me and uh, one or two other pieces I've read recently that have come out about the possibility of a civil war. And this is, again, something that I highlighted and it could happen here um, is people like when civil wars hit, the general reaction from people is like, I didn't think it was going to to be that bad. I, I, there's a fun medium art, not fun. There's a good medium article I found from a, a conflict journalist much more experienced than I am, a guy who's reported from Africa, which, among other things, is kind of like the brass ring of, of war journalism. Like if you if you've reported on that, those kinds of conflicts, you're. You're very experienced. Um, he there he there's a quote from his article that I would like to read. Um, no one ever believes it will happen that war will come to their community, so no one ever prepares. Worse, the international organizations meant to prevent war do little to ensure mechanisms that support conflict preventions are in place. Usually, they're too busy appeasing member states who commit acts of war. I always ask people caught in conflicts the same question. Why did it take you so long to leave? Or why didn't you leave when you had the chance? The answer is nearly always the same, because we never thought it would happen. Now, yeah. one of the things that is a, maybe a positive sign right now is that a pretty good percentage of the United States currently believes a civil war is possible? It believes it's a real threat. Um, some mm -hmm. I, one of the one of the the surveys I saw recently like suggested as much as like sixty percent of Americans think it's a real possibility. Jeez, which is what I was going for with it could happen here because the first if you're going to avoid it, right? Yeah. Like if you're going to not steer into a fucking iceberg, if you if you, want you have to, to see it, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Um, and there's and yeah, and recognizing that there are people on the ship that want it steered towards that. Yeah, yeah um, that the captain is drunk and angry. Yes, so yeah. that's positive that people yeah. at least uh, are aware that it is a possibility, and it's so hard. I think, especially for people, you know, I'm here in Los Angeles, and people talk about should I get a gun or not, and and it's. I think that a lot of people feel like there is a possibility. Some people maybe think that there is a probability, at least of some sort of violence to be happening after the election, but they don't feel like it will happen in their communities. Um, and then, you know, reading some of these other articles floating around, you know, mm -hmm. I think it was BuzzFeed article that made the point that, um, oh, no, it was the Vice article, um, that for most Americans, this war is one that they will be seeing on their televisions and it will be removed mm. from them. It'll feel like 
the wars that you watch in other countries, not, you know, you'll know intellectually that it's happening Mm -hmm. here in Mm -hmm. America, but it still feels removed to a degree. And so I think that there are a lot of people that feel that it's a possibility, but it also feels so removed from their daily life. Yeah, kind of untouched. Like, I mean, kind of like how a lot of the, I think the protests this year have have, uh, felt for a lot of people were like you're, and like politics in general these days of just like the doom scrolling and the watching the news and the 24 hour news and the reality, all all the stuff sort of uh, coalescing uh, in this moment. And you're just watching footage of police tear gas crowds, but you're not there. And it's not necessarily in your city or downtown or anything. And so it doesn't feel like it's in your country even. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, most of the people like this is, again, the thing everyone thinks Portland is like has been gripped in these these massive riots that have shaken all of daily life. Most of the city has gone on and most people in the city have not participated. No, most people in the city know someone who's participated or who has been like gassed because like most people in the city like are like where I live, there's. Other than some graffiti, zero sign that anything's happened because there's been no protest out here because there's. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like and that's that's the way I mean, you fucking like th- this is when I was in Iraq, right, reporting on the fighting in Mosul, which was the most intense thing, not only that I've ever seen, but that I can imagine seeing the place we stayed was about an 40 minutes or so away by by road without checkpoints more like an hour and a half with checkpoints two hours um but again like like not very far like the distance between a suburban community and the city and the place that i was staying there were bars and nightclubs open and it was fine like you would Mm -hmm. you would like yeah that's that's fucking war yeah yeah right exactly and especially especially in america it's so spread out and so large um and if anything does happen like that it's going to be concentrated in in not everywhere it's we live in this fucking huge huge country yeah it's um, very big um we have to take a quick break for products and services of course um but then we'll, oh, we'll come back oh, and, and talk about this stuff more when the taliban banned music in afghanistan millions were plunged into silence Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? 
I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We sure are. Wow. You know what else is back, Katie? What? The looming specter of civil war. I knew it. I knew it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did you guys see this BuzzFeed article? <laughs> the one about uh, the scary st- front. Okay. Well, there's that one too. No. Oh. This one oh. Is the, <laughs> this scary statistic predicts growing U.S. Yes. growing U.S. political violence. Whatever happens on election day, and that seems interesting to me. Um, yeah, it's great. It's very and it good. talks all about the political stress indicator and something that they've studied for a long time. Um, you know, the different factors that go into political social unrest. And, you know, they deem this country to be a powder keg awaiting to blow. This is a direct quote. Even if a Biden landslide means that Trump has little choice but to step aside. And, you know, it all bases around this model uh, about um, income inequality and how that leads to political instability, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's uh-huh. this is another quote worsened by mm-hmm. elites who monopolize economic gains, narrow the path to social mobility, resist taxation, inequality ends up undermining state institutions while fomenting distrust and resentment. And uh, that's that's what we we have here, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, they make the case that this isn't, you know, in the article devil's advocate, you know, if you look at other countries where civil war has erupted, you know, they're generally much more economically unstable or, you know, less affluent. And we do have we're a wealthy country. You know, that still remains true, but we're a wealthy country filled with poor people, yeah, <laughs> filled yeah, with yeah, poor yeah. people, <laughs> and God. we're not taking care of those people, and we no. don't trust our Ugh. leaders. And again, from other articles, maybe this one, I don't know, we just keep mentioning, or at least I do, how many articles are floating around, but you can't really compare America to other places, no. you know, because what we have here is a very unique set of circumstances, yeah. And the divide, like the 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 line, the polarization is very specific and rooted yeah. in our specific history. 
Yeah, um, and we have more weaponry than any other nation civilian population has ever had by a margin that's so wide it it renders all attempts at direct comparison foolish. Yeah. Because no yeah. one's even vaguely close to us. No, gun country. <laughs> yeah. Just call us yeah. Gun there were like, so many fucking like, guns in this country. Yeah. It's un- it's unbelievable. Like and um, I'm a guy who's bought a gun almost every month this year. So like <laughs> you know, when I say it's ridiculous how many guns there are in this country, it means something. Yeah. Also, even if there are mm-hmm. if we do enter and maybe we already are in a territory that's considered to be a civil war. Um, it just doesn't look the same. It's not nece- going to be the same as this side, this army versus this army. You know, it's it's a lot of probably amplification of what we already see happening. These clashes and squirm- happening at protests and in the streets. Yeah, a civil war in the modern era looks like what we saw with the Rittenhouse shooting, but with a higher body count happening somewhere every week and involving exchanges of fire between multiple Mm -hmm. non-state groups. When that's a thing, that's a civil war. Whatever the government calls it, it will be a civil war when that's a thing, when it's happening in multiple locations, regularly, continuously, and involving not just massacres, but exchanges of fire between groups of non-state actors. Now we have a definition, a working definition to yeah. go off of, okay, guys. Good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's going to be fine. Um, it's not. Well, it might be. Eh, no maybe it'll be fine. Be, <laughs> I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, talking about this all the time, yeah. and like, there, I mean, there are people who talk about this in a way where it's very clear that they kind of want it to happen. Yes. Um, and then there are people who talk about it as a, a warning and like being more aware of the possibility to step back from the ledge. Be prepared, um, as Scar would say. Exactly. Um, follow Scar's advice. <laughs> uh, I just realized they had all the little hyenas being Nazis, didn't he? Yeah. The, the, didn't the, I would he? argue that the, the lions Nazi were lion. Nazis and the hyenas were the um, the heroic guerrilla insurgents. But we uh, digress. <laughs> much like our friends, the Mujahideen. Sorry, what? A lot of, a lot of victims in the, uh, mm-hmm. the kingdom of, of Mufasa um, during that time. But uh, yeah, but I, I think it's uh, it could be fine because most people, most people don't want a civil war. Um, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. One would right. hope. Like, right. One, 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 right. Like. <laughs> I mean, I could take it or leave it. You know, okay. I don't have strong I, feelings either mm-hmm. way. I you do. You it. do own that very nice technical, <laughs> Katie. That you've been you've been waiting for a chance to use. Um, there's a new gun girl in town yeah the bet that i made with it could happen here was that the vast majority of people didn't want a fucking civil war um and so if you could get larger numbers of people to believe like hey this is a real problem that we might have Mm -hmm. then folks would pull back from the brink once they saw where they were headed um and again like the reason i did that is because like this like this much more experienced war journalist notes in the medium article i cover civil wars in the state of america right now makes me anxious um that's the title of the article like he notes i went to like ukraine and the thing people kept saying is like i had no idea this was coming like it took us completely by fucking surprise yeah Mm -hmm. yeah right Um, right yeah exactly and And that seems to be a through line of like i didn't know this was gonna oh it's actually happening yeah i think that humans yeah well, humans just there's something in us of like it's not going to happen because maybe maybe it's a coping mechanism of bearing through all the possibilities of the world of being able to just say nope, shut that out. But we have to we have to be prepared for it. 
Yeah. And that's and that's how you really shut it out is by being aware of it, being prepared, but like being aware that it's a possibility and that we generally don't want it to happen. Um, and it's been, I mean, we talked about it for years and years. More and more people are saying, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think it, I think that's generally good. Aside from a few actors, I can think of who um, talk about it in a way that seems like they would like it to happen. Yeah, and when we talk about things that make me optimistic more so than I was earlier this year, you know, the the threat that a lot of basically every single person who's competent in in the the field of extremism research was warning about, well, has been warning about for a while, but finally got listened to this year, is accelerationism, right? That term yes. has gone mainstream. Um, and accelerationists are, for those of you who are just tuning in, people who want to accelerate the breakdown of society in this country. And they can be left or right or, or not easily categorizable as either. There's a variety of reasons. A lot of hardcore Nazis are accelerationists because they think that a collapse of the country will allow them to usher in you know, a racial state. Um, but accelerationists are like like Adam Waffen, like the base, these mm -hmm. groups who try to, and like a lot of the Boogaloo boys, um, who try to bring about violence in order to cause a civil war and collapse the country. And one thing that's been good about this year is that a fuckload of those people have gotten arrested and caught <laughs> attempting to carry out attacks. Now, the thing that worries me, like obviously we we had the FBI catch that um that Boogaloo boy who was a small part of burning the third precinct down. A small part, I want to note. Right. That was a mass action. But who who was the guy who like shot into he the shot precinct into with yeah. an AK forty seven and had had been in other protests around the country and had been in communication with Stephen Carrillo, who was the um the the Air Force military guy who killed like two or three cops and scrawled like the word Boogaloo and blood on the hood of his car. And they were actively attempting to cause a civil war with a number with a cell of other boogaloo type actors around the country and they got busted and their opsec was fucking terrible like they were like texting each other like gonna go commit federal felonies now lol i shot some cop like it was and so the mm. good thing about that is that a lot of these guys are very dumb and they've been caught as a result of it and it scared yeah. the others the bad thing is that there's a decent chance there's someone really smart out there with the same goal. Someone like Tim McVeigh, right? That's always the nightmare. Right. Tim McVeigh was exceptionally competent at what he did. And like, that's the fucking, the horror, right? Is that someone, yeah. there's someone who is too it's, smart to have been caught. It's the that same the FBI thing with, um, won't get, you know? Yeah, it's the same thing with when we talk about Trump and Trumpism and stuff, where it's like, well, he's an idiot and he's incompetent. Um, there are candidates out there who won't be that stupid and incompetent. And there are people out there who want these kinds of things that, yeah, could be just really, really um, not, you know, filming themselves in a PT cruiser uh, practicing kidnapping a governor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh. Yeah, yeah. And it's so that that is one reason I would say that I'm a bit more optimistic. Another reason that I've 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 gained some optimism recently um, is that. I think the right and again, you can make fun of me if I wind up being wrong, but I'll probably be dead, so the joke's on you. Mm. I think the right um, moved, the far right, right? Not, not to say that like most people on the right are, are up for this shit, but like the, the, the insurgent right moved, jumped early this year. Um, and their their security was bad. They, I did I had a Bellingcat article, you know, a month or so ago about some of the stuff we were seeing, 
and they got exposed for some of their 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 planning and they got in trouble a number of them got arrested um and i think they may have jumped the gun in a way that has yeah. reduced the odds that they will move in a cohesive way to take violent action. Now, I would be very surprised if Biden wins. I'd be very surprised if there are not at least one and probably several terrorist attacks around the country, right, as as a result of that, inspired by that, or at least attempted attacks. That w- I would be surprised if it didn't happen, and not necessarily like the day after the election, but like within the next, you know, year. Yeah. I suspect we'll see several um, but that's different from concerted armed action to overthrow the government to stop a transition of power. I'm less worried about that right now, although obviously we still have a lot of questions about the Trump administration potentially stealing the election, you know, not just voter suppression, but like faithless electors. Yeah, that's a big you know, thing. We sh- yeah. Anyway, yeah. And like what happens if it's close and ends up going to the Supreme Court, things like that make me nervous. Um right. That, that, that'll lead to like both sides protesting each other. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Where, that's where like the, the conflicts come together. To me, that's the real thing. But, but right now I'm feeling positive about the election and that the results will be such that some of this stuff doesn't happen, um, that it's more clear. But, but I mean, Trump just seems on the back foot right now. And I say <laughs> this again, knock on wood, fuck me if. I'm wrong and I'm cursing our whole country right now with these words that I'm uttering because the truth is is that right now we're seeing massive amounts of people early voting but everyone ev I mean a lot of people <laughs> anyway are mentioning a potential red wave that comes on actual in-person voting that's what people are warning of and we'll see we'll see what happens yeah. on election day but I don't know I don't know yeah, nobody does know. You know, I'll be surprised if that was if that's what happens. Um, yeah, just there. There's a I. Um, I don't buy the thing that like a bunch of Trump supporters are all lying. There's not hard evidence to to state that, and it it comes very close to, you know, the shit that fucking um, uh, Nixon always said about the silent majority and shit. Um, and there's just there's never been evidence to suggest that um, yeah. voter suppression or somebody fucking with the electors like absolutely yeah. I could see. Yeah, that yeah, there's yeah. legal fuckery that can happen um, mm-hmm. and obviously voter suppression um, and ways in which they cannot count certain votes uh, depending I, on when they come in yeah. things like that long, I, long lines. If there is like a, a huge wave right. on election day, people might not be able to vote. Um, I'm I mostly but. pointed to that as. Right now, it feels like those assholes are losing, and yeah. that's encouraging. And I believe that is what will happen. I want, mm-hmm. you know, I have to, I have to you be gotta. hopeful. You gotta, you gotta. Um, but let's not underestimate the fact that people will show up in person. That if it does become close, if there's weird, um, you know, yep. yes, electorate shit that happens, we we mm-hmm. just don't know. And there definitely will be more votes for Donald Trump happening on election day oh yeah for sure and uh and just like you know let's say uh we there is hope for this country and uh yeah the, let's say they, that they, there is let's say there is and the country overwhelmingly rejects donald trump uh this time around uh, yay the, yay the thing yeah. about uh trumpists in particular is uh not only like they're sore winners mm-hmm 
Uh, I can't imagine what they're going to be doing when they lose. <laughs> yeah, the time from when the results are announced and if he loses and the time he still has so much power is pretty scary. Yeah, they're right. Yeah, you, yeah. Have, you have a couple of months um, between uh, him allegedly leaving allegedly. Uh, or not. Yeah. Um, and yep. it's, it's his yeah. home, Cody. Why should he have to leave his home? <laughs> That's fair. Doesn't he want I mean, to go back into his there. literal golden tower? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, he has been making more sentiment statements lately that have been instead of like the election will be legitimate. Like, I guess I'll have to leave the country if I lose. Mm-hmm. It'll yeah. be so embarrassing. Bye. Which who knows what he means by and, literally anything he says. But yeah. But yeah, he's also he's adjusted. Uh, to be it to be like if I win, not mm-hmm. when I win. Yeah, um, there is some uncertainty in mm-hmm. the way he talks about it. Um, well, but. yeah, and uh, you have to think he got pushback from the military this year, which is why you know there's already been reporting that he promises to kick you know the the his his current the people who have pushed back against him in the military and like Ray and the FBI out as soon as he if he wins a second term. He'll yeah. consolidate power like dictators. Hurrah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But you do have to think that there's word from the military that, like, I don't know, like, if he got pushback on deploying troops to crush protests, you would hope it's been made clear to him that, like, if Biden wins a very clear and undeniable victory, like, you're going to leave. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. Because that's our only potential job in this. Of the military. Yeah. Now, he does have, like, one of the things that concerns me, like, we're, we will do, I, I will promise you all now so you can hold us to it, after the election, if Biden wins and we're not, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> like, things don't go off the fucking deep end even more than they already have, um, we'll do an episode on the things that will be worse under Biden than we're under Trump and, right. like, the things that will be better and, and try to break that all down to you as best as we can. Um, one of the things that will still be a problem is that what we've seen during this unrest this year is the increasing federalization of law enforcement. It started in Portland. Uh, I expect we'll see it in uh, Pennsylvania soon as a result of the protests in Philadelphia where – because like in Philly uh, – or in Philly, like in Portland, you have a very progressive DA, district attorney, who's agreed to drop a lot of charges against protesters that he considers to be like excessive or not very valid. And what we had happen in Portland is the feds step in, officers get deputized, feds start charging people who had their state charges dropped with the same charges. You will see stuff like that happening because yeah. the federalization of local law enforcement is a thing – that has to be confronted directly and turned back in order to stop it. Um, Biden will happily let it continue. Look at Standing Rock, you know, like the Obama administration, look at Ferguson, the Obama administration had no problem using like unbelievable militarized police force against protesters. Um, There's no way Biden would want to give up that that card unless he's forced to give it up. That said, I think he could be forced to give it up potentially, whereas Trump can't be. Yeah, chime in. I think that there's much more leverage there. Yeah. Under that administration. Yeah. So um, I, I get, we gotta but, yeah. take a quick break. Well, yeah, we do. Have you know what we'll do then? Do have to do that. Huh. Take a quick break. Oh, oh, thank you, guy. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break. Like Ooh, like I'll have Cody. time to get in a Quibi. I haven't checked Quibi in several weeks, but I'm excited to see the new Quibbies. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. 
Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back, and I have some terrible news about Quibi. It appears someone has deleted the app from my phone. No. Oh, are they I'm allowed so to do that? Sorry. How will I ever catch up on fine Quibi shows like Okay, Daniel? Here, just um, just include you know, uh, just just cut me vamping here out and include a list of the great Quibi shows. Once you figure out what those are, mm-hmm. I'm sure there will be many. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, got him. Oh, that was a, well, you did the list. You did the list of all the All of the great Quibi shows. Um, <laughs> heart goes out to anyone who lost their jobs at Quibi, which was a bad company. Thoughts um, and shouldn't prayers. shouldn't have existed. Yeah. I mean, I, I sincerely mean that because it sucks when people lose their jobs, but like. Yes. Yeah, I also sincerely mean that. If you're like a working person sorry. and not yeah, Katzenberg. Yeah, like there are yes. a lot of talented people yes, working I'm on sorry. it, but like if you're not, yes. if you're not Katzenberg, right. I'm sorry, yeah, but I'm sorry I, you that guy in a stupid app. Meg Whitman. Is being vetted, not being vetted, is apparently on a uh, 
been thrown around as a, a potential oh, yeah. nominee political uh, cabinet post. Yeah. For, did you, what cabinet so? position again, Katie? Not specific. Not I specific. have not heard that. God, you know, if there's anyone who's fit to be the Secretary of State, it's the person who led Quibi to such incredible <laughs> heights of success as the show. California. Yeah. I told my Jerry friends, Brown. my my girl text group, uh, I, they were making fun of Quibi and I said that. And my friend sort of defended. She's like, well, she's done other stuff too. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I the don't care that- what other stuff she's done. She thought Quibi was a good idea. Yeah. If you thought Quibi was a good idea, perhaps you ought to reevaluate how you would think about the world because you, you were drastically wrong. <laughs> and it's not apps. the coronavirus. Quibi would be in the same position it is now if the virus hadn't hit. Yeah, no, yeah. The, Quibi no. should be thriving. Online streaming media no, services. No, no, no. People are stuck at home with nothing to do and that's why Quibi failed. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you know what else is a quick bite? Um, The odds of... Death squads in your oh, neighborhood. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That that one fell apart in the last in the last leg. There, I'm sorry. There's a quick bite out of crime. I don't well, know. You got to shoot um, in the leg instead of the let's head. Let's talk about that though. Let's talk about more of this. More Good. of it. God. Okay, Cody. Well, so I I just wanted to bring up a little bit about um, the potentiality of the stealing of the election. Yeah, kind of. let's talk and about that. It's a possibility. And I more and more article more and more articles are saying this, um, and talking about the 2000 election and how that went. Um, and well, right, it went that's, very I well. I mean, we we got eight years of President Gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why of, climate yeah. change isn't a mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, we, it's not. we dealt no, with. We, God we damn it! it. Yeah. I, if only he hadn't just rolled over and died. <laughs> if I mean, I mean. Yeah. I don't know, man. Just, just what, over how many votes was votes. that? Was I'm just thinking about climate change, of how we all should have listened to Al Gore. Yeah, way back then. yeah. I mean, he was wrong about specific things vis-a-vis sure. climate change, but he was right about oh, we should have started doing we something do then. Something about <laughs> yeah. it. Maybe look into it a little bit. He could have learned yeah. on the job. He would have wanted to learn on the job anyway. He sorry, should have yeah. been, he should have been slightly less boring. Yeah. Um, what so if he had boring. a skateboard? Oh, I just invented Beto O'Rourke. You, I'm, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You, I you keep ju- doing You jumped that. a couple yeah. of decades to to our good <laughs> our good buddy Beto, uh, <laughs> doing his I don't know ollies. But uh, interesting thing. So aside from uh, Bush's legal team during that whole debacle, uh, one of the people who helped pick that legal team, Ted Cruz. Cute. Um, yeah. It's also one of the people responsible was Roger Stone, who yeah. just got pardoned. Oh yeah. So, God. so there's a lot of. Uh, it's interesting how just everything is. Um, just it feels like a, a cycle of just like a repetition. It's just over mm-hmm. and over and over again. And here, all the all the greats are coming back. All the all the all the star characters. Yay! Three of the people on that legal team that gave Bush that election and said that recounting. Uh, the votes was a violation of his rights. Uh, three of those people are currently on the Supreme Court. <laughs> um, Kavanaugh and Roberts and uh, Barrett um, were all on that legal team. Um, and wow, 
Yeah. Wow. Right. It's great. Um, it's almost great. like that was, that like was during... purposeful. Almost yeah. like that was pretty purposeful, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very. She was on that legal team. She only practiced law for like a year before becoming a professor. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. They're all blatant frauds. Um, it's it's all on purpose, and it's all just upsetting and points to what they're doing, what their plan is. Um, they rushed this appointment through um in 30 days uh eight days before the actual election day because they know where this is headed or at least eight they they know where days. it might be headed yeah eight, eight, days. eight days eight days eight days and then they ruled yesterday was it wisconsin that uh, is yeah. they are not extending the deadline for mail-in ballots yeah to arrive Kavanaugh. I mean, um, again, eight days in. before the election. Eight days before the election. Yeah. Um. So it seems like they're heading towards a situation where they're going to decide that if your mail-in ballot, um, even though it was postmarked before election day or on election day, uh, if they didn't receive it by election day, then it doesn't count. They will not count that vote. Um. They're yep. really pushing for not counting any votes after election day. I um, just want to interrupt right now and say if you haven't sent in your ballot don't mail it go find a dropping a, a oh center, yeah dropbox dropbox absolutely. Oh, go dro- do a dropbox do not mail your ballot at this point mm-hmm. um yeah and so that is uh a lot of just signals like that being uh made by our beautiful president and his crack team of uh lawyers thieves? i guess of th- <laughs> i guess yeah. thieves is maybe a better yeah. word uh it's so blatant. And rapists, um, thieves and rapists. Yeah. Also, a uh, side note, um, George W. Bush's 2000 election legal team, again, who included three of the current Supreme Court justices, unbelievable. Good stuff. Wow. Good stuff. Argued um, during that election in, uh, in uh, t- 2000 that ballots arriving late and without, po- and without postmarks, which were thought to benefit Bush, must be counted in Florida. They're all frauds and liars. Yep. They are um, all frauds and, they and liars. They do not care. They just do not care. Um, and they're going to do it. They're just going to. They're just going to do exactly that. Yeah, they um, will steal everything from you and leave you choking to death in an uninhabitable world to make their own lives modestly more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they need more. They need a, an extra chair in their bunker. Um, yeah, to put their to put their feet up, not to have somebody else sit in it, but to put their own feet up. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier of this, uh, you know, you have all this intense, uh, inequal- wealth inequality and, um, all this anxiety and they know, they know, mm-hmm. uh, all these people know, and they've been hoarding for years because they know, they know where it's headed. That's why they are building all their bunkers to hide from the thing that, that they know is, uh, possible. And it's just disgusting and obvious and who knows what will happen uh i it i you know maybe texas will turn blue uh actually this year and it won't be an issue because there are scenarios where they can't contest it maybe it'll, it'll be turn an overwhelming... blue like mitch mcconnell's hand exactly hey um, or maybe and it'll turn his, yellow like his, his face upper lift and his upper mark? lips it, something is wrong with that man he just yeah, dipped he's his hand in a bunch thinners. of blueberries this is like my grandpa it was his hands looked similar when he was yeah. near the end you know it's, yeah. it's a thing that happens when you take blood yeah. thinners yeah, yeah. He's, oh, he's old. He's, well, he's, I don't he's want to make on. fun of serious conditions, but... Man, I, 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 I hope that Mitch McConnell is not capable of doing anything very soon. Um, yeah. I will not make fun of, you know, 
people who are on blood thinners because right, the things happen. Yeah, but I do hope bad things happen to Mitch McConnell because he's trash. Both things can be actively toxic. Things happen to human bodies uh, all the time. A lot of different things, and no shame on that. But uh, yeah, Mitch McConnell did. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. He did this thing at the the last hour. Yeah, uh, push this woman through. Yeah, uh, and uh, fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but so who knows? Um, I you know if it's an overwhelming victory, uh, this won't be an issue. Hopefully, maybe they'll still try some uh, some fuckery. But uh, another thing I wanted to just briefly talk about um, is some things that happened after that uh, fiasco or during the fiasco, basically during the recount. Um, specifically, uh, something referred to as the Brooks Brothers riot. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. which was uh, a fake riot organized by a bunch of rat fucking Republicans, including Roger Stone, including one of its Roger chief Stone. Yeah. Good exactly. stuff. Good Again, stuff. All the all the classic characters are coming back for for a, for a sequel. Um, it was a complete fraud. They did it for publicity. It was a PR thing. Uh, they claim it wasn't violent. Uh, they, it, it was a little violent. Um it wasn't like what we would describe as violent these days, probably in terms of protests, because um, America has, I guess, upgraded their <laughs> violence. Um, I'm proud of us for one. But yeah, Brooks Brothers, Brooks Brothers riot was a coordinated effort by um, the GOP to sort of make what happened happen. And it partly worked. Roger Stone was involved, and I don't see why he wouldn't tried to do something similar uh, this time around. Yeah. And Roger Stone uh, is, uh, I don't know, these days, um, but communicates with the Proud Boys. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he sure does. He's, he sure does. Um, and They love him. The idea of, because it was like Brooks Brothers, right? It was a bunch of guys in suits, basically, just like, no, we don't, don't do the thing that you should do because the democracy. But uh, if it happens again, again, America upgraded their violent protests and if uh, it gets to this place where it's uncertain, Roger Stone and it, it, it's I don't know. I, I'm just uh, that's worrisome to me that they'll do similar tactics, similar tactics yep. uh, legally, but also with the protest stuff, um, but amped up. Uh, we're we're all hopped up on goofballs, you know, um, and uh riding pandemic anxiety and uh hopped up on just, goofballs just uh tw- you know 20 years uh of america continuing and getting us to this point doing those same tactics but on steroids is something that is a possibility um and i have no hopeful thought to end this on you know <laughs> what a hopeful note to end this on is If you're taking gunfire, right, if someone is shooting at you, it's very important to know the difference between cover and concealment. For example, hiding behind a car might seem like a good idea, but handgun rounds will pierce most parts of a car with lethal force to hit someone behind them, and rifle rounds will pierce basically everything but an engine block. Hard cover is more things like large trees, for example. Getting behind a large tree can provide a lot of cover. Getting behind, if there happen to be sandbags or a concrete barricade, you know, that's the difference. That's what cover is. Now, concealment is something that will not stop bullets or not reliably stop bullets, but will conceal you. And obviously being concealed is preferable to being in the open. Being behind hard cover is the best of all. So whatever happens next week, keep all that in mind. That's good to know. (laughs) Great advice. Great positive advice. What a good note. Uh, Yeah. 
to end on. <laughs> but we are hopeful. <laughs> yeah. We, we are, it, we are pretty wildly back and forth. Yeah. Seven yeah. days. Seven days. Seven days. Like that lady Start- in that horrible Japanese horror movie yeah. said. Yep. The Ring. The Ring. But America. Uh, Good times. Good. We great started times. at the bottom and now we're here. Mm-hmm. Katie's quote comes to Drake. mind. This is great. We started with the genocide and boy howdy, that might be how it ends. <laughs> Get a couple oh, more. I'm feeling anxious. Yeah, it's, Go back it's to great. The hopefulness. That's how we should. I am hopeful, but yeah, I, young people are voting early in droves. Yeah, uh, in key, in key states, in key states. That's yeah. good. And you want to place a tourniquet above a bleeding wound from gunshot, shrapnel, or knife, and then tighten the tourniquet, and then you twist the windlass in order to stop the bleeding. Um, if you don't have a tourniquet, a belt can work in in most situations. Mm-hmm. Well, it's better I was than say exactly I was that. Took it was right out of mouth. That uh, British heartthrob Harry Styles told everyone to vote with kindness and endorsed Joe Biden. Oh, well, that's, that's, not, that's good. nice of him. That should move the needle in England. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, 538 has a whole pointless. Harry Styles yeah. section. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They've been waiting for that endorsement, finally. Mm-hmm. Everyone's had bated breath. Page, yeah. Oh, Trump just conceded based on the Harry Styles endorsement. Oh, thank God. Oh, there we go. I guess we smart, can drop this smart. episode. Oh, oh man. What a relief. Guys, yeah. you can check us out online at Worst Year Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and you'll find us there as well for more hot takes like this, <laughs> I guess. But guys, we've done it. We did as it. As if there's another kind of take. Cool. But hang, che- hang in there, out, guys. Check we'll, out. We'll talk to you it. soon. We'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye. Yeah, good luck. Pod speed, America. Lovely. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! 
Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.